Remember, the microphone can move. <laughs> so you don't have to lay down on the floor. Okay. Nice. Lovely. We're talking about transcendence. What the heck is that? Yeah, it's one of our uh, core competencies that lead all of the courses and curriculum that we develop. So we've got resilience, equanimity, and then transcendence. And we sometimes refer to that as self-transcendence. Mm-hmm. Rather than self-actualization. So let's talk about the difference between self-actualization and self-transcendence. And we do this work and train students to self-actualize so that they can get to the point where they can then self-transcend. So we think that if you just achieve self-actualization, so if you just get yourself sorted and figure out how to manage stress and your nervous system and improve your relationships and heal your past traumas and know how your gifts and how to best use them in the world, that's not the end game. So someone, if you're on a spiritual path, you may understand this in terms of, you know, uh, full transcendence or nirvana or um, what would be another? A spiritual experience. Yeah. I mean, just being able to connect with something greater than yourself, mm-hmm. something outside of your finite self. And it's a, also the difference, I think, um, between personal development and human development. So you see a lot of workshops and courses and books on personal development. Um, And I think we've maybe used that language in the past, but then we had this sort of realization that, no, what we're really interested in is human development. And that takes into account uh, the truth that we're all in relationship with others and with our environment, um, and that this isn't just an individual or personal um, course. Mm -hmm. You always have to be considering how you're connected to the rest of society and the world. Right. So it doesn't stop at just getting yourself sorted. It's then, wait, the world needs you. You're in relationship with the world. You're in relationship with your community, your country, uh, the global community. So transcending yourself and your, your daily stuff and your daily challenges is the next step. Can you transcend and connect with something bigger? And that something bigger could be a god. It could be the universe. It could be a cause. It could be uh, a mission that's just much bigger than you. And that's what a rebel human is striving for. Yes. And I... Also, I think a part of transcendence is the embodiment of that feeling. So I think we can think about it conceptually. Okay, I kind of understand feeling connected to something greater than myself. But what we are helping people experience is the embodiment of that, the feeling um, in the body of 
mm-hmm. being connected um, mm-hmm. to something bigger. Mm-hmm. And, and it's that, hard to explain what that feels like. Explain. <laughs> it is hard to explain. Um, but it is a sensation you feel, I think, in meditation, um, definitely also during, I'd say, a sound bath. It's li- it's For me, it's a little bit of the sense of the boundaries of my corporeal self mm-hmm. start to blur a bit. And I feel this sense of merging with all things. Now, I know that's a little perhaps intense, but I think you could also say, you know, sometimes you're just overwhelmed by the beauty of nature. Like you look out at the lake or you see this a beautiful sunset or the colors in the sky. And it's just that feeling of um, wonderment awe. and the sublime and awe. And we need that mm-hmm. in in our lives. I mean, there's there's research that shows that people who are able to experience wonder and awe and this sense of connection um, you know, do better in life across a whole host of outcomes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that you brought up that key piece of feeling it in the body. And thanks for those examples. And it's so exciting when we have a student go from not really fully understanding that to telling us, oh my gosh, I never knew that that feeling was possible. And I felt that, or, you know, I felt that connection, or I felt that sense of spirit, or I felt that sense of God in me. What, you know, it's, it's different for everybody. Um, but I w- would like to be clear in that, you know, if you haven't been doing any of these practices and you come to a sound bath, for example, and lay down and you're still um, very anxious, you haven't learned any tools to manage your anxiety yet, you may lay there and be fidgety and not have this experience. I mean, it's unlikely because usually the bowls cut through everything, Um, but we don't want to have expectations that every time we sit quietly, um, it it is, again, if you're not doing any breath practices, if you haven't done any training and you just sit down in a quiet room for 20 minutes, that isn't meditation. So there's a difference between practices that can lead you to a meditative state and just sitting quietly. Yes. Yes. You can be sitting quietly and ruminating um, and going through your to-do list and thinking about all that is wrong in your life and Mm -hmm. the world. Because a meditative state is a different state in the brain and the parietal mm-hmm. lobe mm-hmm. kind of quiets and shuts down. And the parietal lobe is where we have our sense of self and like I am this finite person in the world. And when that shuts down, that's when we can get that feeling of weight. Oh no, there's something bigger than me and weight. There is a, not a boundary between me and you and me and that tree. Yeah. So it's actually something that shifts in the brain. I mean, it is a brain state. And if you haven't read my stroke of insight. I think that's a really great introduction to um, some of what we're talking about, this sense of connection with all things and this um, lessening of the ego. Um, It's written by a neuroscientist from Indiana University. And she actually experiences a stroke. Mm-hmm. And I it, think she has a TED Talk too. She, which oh, we can she like. does have a TED Talk. Mm-hmm. That's right. Jill Bolte Taylor, I believe. Um, 
And so she talks about how a part of her brain that is very much about developing your sense of self and I, um, that's what was injured during her stroke. And so she felt more of this sense of connection and merge and sense of, you know, blurred boundaries. And Mm -hmm. so it's really interesting to hear her take you through the process and then also explain the healing process and how she was able to maintain some of that feeling, um, even as her brain was starting to heal and make new connections. So fascinating. Well worth the read or the watch. So it's, you know, I think good that we pair it with these other things. I mean, what makes a rebel human? It's, you know, not just transcendence. So this can very much be um, a challenge uh, dare I say, a problem in the spiritual seeking world mm-hmm. of yoga and meditation where mm-hmm. people- They just want to be blissed out. Right. And they can actually develop a, a soft addiction to that meditative state. And then it becomes very navel gazing. Um, you know, they just hide in class after class, after class retreat after retreat after retreat, um, spending hours and hours a day doing their own practice. So we see it as really important to bring in this this next step of human development, development of resilience and equanimity to be uh, an active participant in the world. Right, because I, I mean, I've experienced, um, I've had conversations with people who have talked about how unenjoyable life is compared to their kind of meditative state or their yoga practice. And I think the challenge is to build that resilience and um, be able to take what you learn and experience in that deep meditative state back out with you into the world. Mm -hmm. That's like the advanced Mm -hmm. level. And when we were thinking through the curriculum and the skills we wanted to help people develop, we really, we wanted to work on all of them sort of simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, develop this class where you get to embody and experience and train in these different brain states. I mean, they really are, Mm -hmm. you know, different brain states that you can develop competency in absolutely through practice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know we also talk about and we a, a lot in our schools program and our high school program how you can incorporate these things into your everyday into your walking down the hall into um, sitting quietly with your eyes open changing your eye focus changing your breath without having you know to go to a special room or watch a special video or watch or listen to a special sound bath or something so this having this autonomy and i so wish that i had these skills when I was an adolescent, because I feel like it would have prevented so many issues, so many mental health issues would have helped me be in this state, you know, of equanimity, 
Right. And just even knowing that there are these different states, mm-hmm. like physiological states, emotional states, psychological states, mm-hmm. and that different contexts, different social, um, environmental experiences, um, some states are a better match for those than others. And being able to then use some of these tools to shift your state to better match the context, the social context within which you are in is huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. And being able to shift quickly to have the control over your spotlight of focus is similar to being able to like mm -hmm. control your state quickly. And that all comes from training. I mean, you really can't think your way in and around this stuff. Um, but by introducing this at the high school level, I think is such a game changer because if you can start processing some of the crap that's already happened, you're a teenager, there's probably been some crap already in your life. Um, but to begin to understand these things now, understanding you have five dials you can turn at any given moment, your non-sleep depressed, your eye focus, your movement, your mantra, and your breath, those five dials. Um, you can start processing, working with, preventing more crap. Um, because when you become an adult and you decide at some point, and some of us decide that you want to dig in and heal past trauma, it can take years. And I know personally, it took me like two years of meditation and breath practices, two and a half hours every single day for two years. So, it may not have to take that long if you start earlier right, and learn right. these things. And I, you know, I think that's a good thing to point out too. And this is something we said on on retreat is that putting in the work. I mean, you can't really um, get around that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you are dealing with some major stuff, you're going to have to put in a lot of work if you want to, you know, feel better and live a life according to your values. Um, And that can take some time to get to because it might seem unfair at first. Like, wait, I was the one who was hurt. Why do I now have to do all this work when this person over here isn't doing anything and they caused all my trauma? Yes. And and life is not fair. And we wish it were, (laughs) and we can take steps and actions to try and make it more fair. But if you're starting with this assumption that that life is fair, it's going to smack you in the face quite a bit. You'll be stuck. So you just have to decide like how bad is the pain? How badly do you want to get out of where you are? But I think it's um, worth clarifying one more time you know, what we're trying to do, that it's it's not this self-actualization just to fix ourselves, but this next step of going out and being service, being of service in the world. Yeah, no, that's, I, that's said wonderfully. I always describe meditation as like self-contemplation in service of others, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not doing this so that I can, you know, get the best job and optimize my performance mm-hmm. and make lots of money. I'm doing it because I really 
believe in humanity and the possibilities for us as a species living together with other species here on this planet. Um, and that's what motivates me most of the time. And, um, you know, doing, doing the work and doing your own work is, is the first step. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a good place to end and go to our funnies. Oh, yes. The funnies. <laughs> we have two. One just happened. One we're just here. happened. And this is another funny of Tate sounding like <laughs> a horrible, mean no. boss. No, not at all. Wait, it's- wait. Who is that lady with the bangs that I'm always like, one day I'm going, Anna Winter. Oh, I'm like, yes. one day I'm going to be <laughs> so on top of the world that I'm going to get this little sharp. <laughs> um. Bob. Bob cut and just walk into rooms and point at people and demand <laughs> things from them. <laughs> no, so I don't know what we were doing. So you we were, were always filming. asking me about the wisps of, of yeah, your so hair. We're, we're f- and I don't mind the wisps of your hair. Okay, so context. We're filming more videos for the schools program. And I always ask, okay, are there any flyaways? Because we have all these lights and a black background, black wall, and they really stand out, the little golden wisps sticking out. And Tate said, okay, this side's fine. Now go to the other side. No, down further, down further. And I was like, we're still working at it. And I was like, all right, is it okay? And she goes, you're going to have to work harder. Because it improved only about 20%. And I felt like you weren't really connecting with the directions I was giving you. I was saying down, but you were moving like forward. Oh, and I'm like, Jenny, you're going to ha- you're gonna have to try harder. You're going to have to work harder. <laughs> Which made me immediately laugh. So yes. listeners, Tate is not a tyrant. I'm not I think a tyrant. she's hilarious. Um, which brings us to our second Oh, yes. So on retreat, we had to fly, obviously, and um, mask. And we really didn't want to get COVID on the airplane because that would have meant we would have been stuck in Mexico for 10 days if we got it. Because the U.S. was not allowing anyone back with COVID. We had to test in Mexico in order to get back. So Tate was like, I'm not even going to take a sip of water the entire when I get to the airport until we get out of the airport in Mexico I'm never taking my mask off nope like, really not, not even to sip water not to sip water yes and I'm like Jenny I've been training my whole life for this this is like <laughs> sloth mode I call it sloth mode it allows me to sit at the computer for like 12 hours straight running statistical analyses without needing to eat or drink or use the bathroom mm-hmm. you just like slow down your system <laughs> and and enter into sloth mode. This is not going to be a big deal for me. What five, six hours? Yeah, she's like not a problem. Nothing, not a problem. And and listeners, you probably have heard the story about Tate's stones, kidney, kidney stones. stones. That she was sent her stones, <laughs> <laughs> which is a direct result of sloth too, mode. Too many years of sloth mode. Mm-hmm. So I was a little concerned because I don't want her to get her kidney stones back. And but she assured me she would chug water before. Didn't you do it with after. me? Didn't we both? I think I took a couple sips. Of I water. think you, okay. Yeah. Okay. I I couldn't go that long. I mean, I could if I had to, but I didn't. Yes. I thought it was worth the risk. 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> the minimal risk because yes. everyone else was masked. Yes. So you, we got through. Nobody, we, we still, Tate and I are still COVID free. Oh my gosh. Two years later. Holy moly. Are we going to make it? So we still don't have any songs. Oh, no, we do. We have our new closing song. Oh, are we going to sing it? Yeah, I think oh, we should. Okay, so I this is the should. closing song. Now we, by Jay. Jay. The um, amazing recording artist, singer, songwriter, who has come with us on retreat, retreat <laughs> twice, retreat twice, and... Um, we got together, we talked a lot about our principles and mission, and she went away and did her magic and came up with this song that we now use at the end of our Rebel Human Way class. Shall we? Yeah, so we'll close we out, out the podcast. Oh, do you want to do your the spiel, and then we'll close out with the song? Okay, but are we doing it once? Oh. And then we just sing it once. Yeah, we don't need to do it three, times. three okay, times. Okay, so please subscribe, leave a review, let us know what song you want us to sing on the next episode. You can go to our website, the rebelhuman.com and sign up for our Rebel Human Report, our weekly newsletter. We also have a YouTube channel where we have sound baths and meditations and more, along with our online library, RHTV, of over 100 videos. All right, let's take it out with now I see. Now I see there's something greater in the heart of me. I get back up and I rewrite the code. So the gift of me, the gift of you can grow. Lovely.